0: Welcome to the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles. The My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles podcast profiles impactful members of our fishing community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Kevin Collins.
1: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles here on MyFishingCapeCod.com. This is your host, Kevin Collins, back with you for episode number nine of the MFCC Chronicles presented by the Goose Hummock and Cape and Islands Mitsubishi. As always, want to thank our friends down at the Goose, headlined by Captain Phil, and over at Cape and Islands Mitsubishi, our good friend Bruno, who's been a podcast guest himself this season. We definitely send our thanks out to you because without your support, the podcast wouldn't be possible. So now that we got the housekeeping out of the way, let's dive right into the podcast. I want to welcome in Captain Jay Cianciolo of Laura J Charters. Jay, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, thanks. How are you doing today?
1: I understand you just got off the water this morning. How was that?
2: That was great. We had a uh, had a good striper trip this morning, managed to get in, had, had some really good fishing and um you know did our damage before the wind came up so we, we had a really good morning on the bass.
1: Well glad to hear it we're going to talk about a wide variety of topics today Captain Jay but let's start all the way back at the beginning of your career and, and even before that just kind of how you got involved in fishing can you give us just a little background on where you grew up how you got introduced into fishing and give us a little bit of history of your family lineage in the fishing industry.
2: Yeah sure I, I was sort of born into it which was good um I started fishing like a lot of people. I started fishing when I was a little kid, um, but my my grandfather was actually really into tuna fishing. He was actually one of the first uh, first guys in the U.S. to to get going with rod and reel to, uh, bluefin tuna fishing, fishing for the giants. So he started fishing in the '40s, um, anywhere from Point Judith up to uh, he chase them up to Maine, and kind of go up and down the coast there wherever they were. My dad, of course, he grew up with it, and then you know he was fishing with my grandfather it was. Tuna fished his entire life, um, and then started running the charters on the Cape here probably 25, 30 years ago. Um, and then I started when, if I was a little, when I was a little kid, if I wanted to hang out with my dad and my grandfather, I wanted, you know, I'd go tuna fishing with them. So I started probably when I was five. I think I was on board for the first giant tuna when I was six, and I remember I, I caught my first one rod and reel in Cape Cod Bay uh, when I was 13, um, and that was back when we had like you know fight, fighting chairs and stuff too. So I've been kind of been at it for a little while now.
1: So you could definitely say tuna fishing is definitely not just in your blood, but it's been passed down, you know, through your family lineage over the years. So you've got a lot of expertise, Jay, you know, in fishing tuna, especially in the waters off Cape Cod Bay. So that's going to be predominantly the focus of our podcast conversation here today. And, And to start that off... One of the things I have written down here to, to talk with you about is just the different types of tuna fisheries off Cape Cod. You've got guys that go out on Stellwagen. You've got guys that fish for Giant Bluefin right here inside Cape Cod Bay. Yep. And then you've got the fishery out east of Chatham. And I know from talking to some other tuna captains, Jay, that, you know, the techniques in, in the way that people approach tuna in terms of live bait versus, you know, trolling different bars it's different de- depending on where you're fishing. So can you just talk a little bit about those different fisheries?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, even you know, if you look at Cape Cod Bay, where, where that's most that's a live bait fishery. Um I don't even I can't even remember anyone getting getting one trolling inside the bay in a long time. Um but so that, that's mostly you know, the, the fish come into the bay and they're they're feeding on either pogies or bluefish. So usually we're spreading out along some of the different depth contours in in the areas where we just sort of know that they roam, and and you're you're spreading out with the live baits or the kites and waiting for them in there. Um, and it's mostly a drift fishery. Um, if you get up on snow lag and you know on the on the western edge, that's definitely that's more, much more structure oriented. Um, so where you know, you're anchoring up on the southwest corner or up in the middle bank spots, and, and you're really trying to get yourself on the edge, and there's more mackerel and herring that are rolling through there. And so you're, you're fishing deeper uh, up you know, up on the western part of Stellwagen. Um, and then even the eastern part where I was, I, was, I had some of your family members out uh, last Friday. We were fishing on the uh, the east part of Stellwagen uh, off the eastern edge there, and that we were drifting using the kites, and that was there were quite a few guys doing the running gun thing so it was a mixed bag of tuna there's some big ones there's some small ones some of the guys were running gunning uh we, we were live bait fishing out there we, we hooked up to a nice one probably about 90 95 inches or so um out there and again that, that's that was the live bait fishery there um when you get down to chatham Chatham's sort of a mixed bag some guys still still troll a lot down there they, they get out east of Chatham, they do well trolling, and then a lot of guys are live bait fishing there as well. I've got to be honest, I don't spend all that much time down Chatham anymore. We used to, in the fall, there used to be a big bite down at the BB Boy, and we used to go take Dockage and Sacatucket and, and run down there for a bit. Uh, but I honestly I haven't done that in a few years. So, But um, there's, really, there's fish all over the Cape. Wednesday, I was actually south of the Fingers, um, south of Martha's Vineyard, um, because there's a bit of a giant bite going on down there. So... I, I think right now the, the good thing is on uh, the Cape, There's this is really early in the year, and there are fish in every spot right now. Um, all all those places I've mentioned have have giants or mixed bag with some small fish kicking around too. I mean, it's it's really impressive how many fish are showing up this year this early, which, which is a bit unusual. We're definitely ahead of schedule on the tuna front.
1: And Jay, when you talk about all these live bait fisheries, I know... You know, mackerel under a kite or mackerel under a balloon always seems to do the trick. A lot of people will use, you know, bluefish if they can get them. You know, a nice big blue, you know, for as live baits about as good as you can get. I know for a lot of guys who fish inside Cape Cod Bay, am I missing anything on, on what you use for live bait? Is it pretty much just mackerel and blues?
2: Mackerel, bluefish, herring is very good too if you if you can get that, and uh, and also Menhaden, pogies, uh, but po- Uh, The guys, if if you're in an area where you can get pogies, that's really effective. I know um, I'm probably giving up something I shouldn't hear, but uh, the the last few days, um, right up around Wood End and Provincetown, there's been some insane feeds with giants just destroying pogie schools up there. Um, That was really big last fall that they were up practically inside P-Town Harbor, and that's happening again right now where there's just, I mean, there's some, there's some videos kicking around that one of my friends on one of the harpoon boats sent me that it's just amazing with, you know, 500-pound fish blowing pogies all over the place with inside of the beach.
1: So tuna fishing has kind of taken on a life of its own, I'd say, over the last decade, Jay. We've got Wicked Tuna on Nat Geo, which has become very popular, and I think the fascination with tuna has definitely kind of kicked up a notch along with the fascination of, you know, the Cape Cod Great White Sharks with uh, Dr. Greg Skomel down there and doing all of his research. So the tuna and the sharks have definitely taken center stage, you know, on Cape Cod throughout the last 10 years or so. Have you noticed kind of a boom in guys trying for giant bluefin, you know, along with the popularity of, of Wicked Tuna and some of these other shows?
2: Yeah, you know, I I, th- I think the show the shows have done a lot for it. You know, it's kind of opened up people's eyes to it. I just think that there's uh, the availability of the species. I mean, there's just a lot more fish around right now. Um, there's uh, the population is doing really well. The, um, the 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 biomass numbers are are up substantially, um, and I think it, just people have you have the ability to go catch one. It's not just it's not tuna wishing anymore. I think guys could have a reasonable shot every day that they go out, uh, to hooking one. And I think there's just something about tuna that I mean the the size of cars that they go fifty miles an hour. I mean it's the ultimate challenge. I mean to have a you know, if you can be fi and also the availability you don't have to go to the canyons, you don't have to steam a hundred miles. You can go six miles out of your harbour and hook something that will, you know, that will dump half of 130 in about three minutes, in about a minute and a half. I mean, it's, it, there's nothing like being hooked up to one of those things. So I think a lot more and more people are seeing it and they're, they're hearing about it. Um, you know, reading about it on the internet and people posting articles and stuff are uh, posting their pictures. It really just makes people want to go chase after
1: them. And do you think that that, you know, added popularity in, in folks that are trying their hand at tuna fishing because they're coming in in such great numbers, do you think it's putting any stress on the fishery, or do you still think it's a really healthy population that's coming here every year?
2: Oh, I think it's a really healthy population that's only getting bigger every year. I mean, the National Marine Fisheries does such a, a really stringent job of controlling the, uh, the numbers of fish that are caught. We have the monthly quotas. Uh, right now it's one fish per day. Um, they, they, they really have the population. Uh, they have the catch rates under control. Uh, the big thing for Cape Cod Bay is that I think why we're seeing so many fish here as opposed to the past is if you look at you know if I look at the, the timeline going back a little bit, you know in the in the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s there was a uh, there were tuna saners that were there were five tuna saners that were licensed uh, on the East Coast and they would all take their quota essentially from Cape Cod Bay. Uh, they would they could fish throughout the throughout the coast, but they would take the majority of the fish right in Cape Cod Bay in the fall once the fish got fat. And I think that that where they were taking entire schools of fish at, uh, at each set, I think that really did did a did a number on the population. Now we haven't seen the tuna sand has been out of business for the last 15 years, and I think every year we're seeing more and more fish coming back in, and there's just not. You know, with rod and reel boats taking one at a time, there's just not that much pressure on the population uh, as compared to the past. So I think uh, the, our fishery is really healthy, and I think it's only getting better.
1: Well, that's good to hear. And, and one of the other ways that you you hinted on very briefly on how people fish uh, for giant bluefin is the harpoon fishery. And that's something I literally know nothing about. I've seen a couple videos and documentaries on these boats that go out and you know throw the darts instead of you know fishing spinning gear, and they have spotter pilots and the whole nine yards. Do you have any experience with that? Can you introduce me a little bit into that topic?
2: Yeah, we, we haven't harpooned in a long time, but um, we we just said at one point my our our two previous boats to the to the current Laura J were both set up for harpooning. Um, as well as rod and reel fishing, and um, it's really fun. There's no. You, you, sometimes you work with a plane, um, but it's really it's more it's more like hunting, where you're just you're 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 out there cruising around looking for, you know, si- signs of life. Looking for them on the surface. Looking for them when they get up and run, um, on top. And you essentially you try to sneak up behind them, and uh, and hit the hit them with the harpoon. And it's a it's extremely challenging to. You know, take a fish that's probably going 10 knots and you're going 6 knots and try to figure out the refraction of light and where to throw. Um, it hit a moving target from up there when your adrenaline is absolutely jacked. Um, or And then sometimes with a plane assisting and then you have an airplane talking to you from above to try to guide you in on them to hit them. So it's very challenging. The guys that are good at it are extremely talented. And um, it's not something I really do anymore, but um, it's, it's really fun for the guys that get to do it. And and very effective.
1: In going back even further, I know something that you know might might have been or probably before your time, but way back when the the tuna fishery really you know became popular and and started here on Cape Cod, folks would go out in what twelve, fourteen, sixteen foot dories and handline for tuna.
2: Yeah. some of the that's that, that was crazy times going for a Nantucket sleigh ride handlining. Hand um, yeah, a lot so. Some of the draggers would bring out yeah, you know, they would they they would chum from the dragger and then set their hand lines and then if they hooked up they'd throw a guy in a dory and and let them pull the dory around with the guy in the hand line. Um that's dangerous stuff. I mean, trying to hold on to a fish by hand. Um, I've seen it done. I I was a little kid when they when they did it, so I never I can't honestly say that I never got my hands on one of the lines myself. They just would tell me to stay the heck out of the way. But um it's I, I, I <laughs> I imagine it would be really fun. I've often joked around about you know, maybe, maybe bringing one with us and just to try it for fun. But um, it's pretty it's pretty dangerous. I think I like I like the rods and reels a lot better.
1: So along the lines of the rods and reels, I know that you're very into tackle and you're very detail oriented when it comes to tackle and techniques. Whether you're tuna fishing, striper fishing, you take a lot of pride in that. Talk a little bit about your background on on what you've got on the boat to go you know handle giant bluefins.
2: Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a tackle geek. I, I get into the um, I get I get into the technical stuff behind it. Um, so w- what I'd say is it, the advances in tackle have really have really helped things. Um, and just made made a lot of people a lot more efficient in in catching fish. Um, one. People are if you're into light tackle fishing you really there there was a time when there was no chance that you would ever get a a, a giant uh, on a spinning rod and and that happens every year now there are people not often but there are people that can pull that off Uh, I think if you're on stand-up tackle you have a very good chance of landing a giant on stand-up if it's uh, if you're rigged up correctly Um, I, I still tend to use a lot of 130s but even with my 130s you know technology has changed we use longer more flexible rods where we don't pull as many hooks as we used to. Um, it allows us to fish a lot lighter gear and smaller hooks, which should get us a lot more bites. Um, I kind of, I joke with my dad all the time because he's he's really old school and I, I've gotten to come around, but we used to fight a lot about tackle and, you know, I would sneak the different leaders out there because he he, he had in his mind what we needed to be fishing and if I wanted to get bites, I would just lie to him and, tell, and end up fishing lighter stuff than, than what he thought we had out there. And so I had to convince him convince him after we got to we get fish in the boat with you know, these tiny little hooks and he would just yeah you know, he finally came around but i think the the small the advanced and tackle lets you fish much lighter gear which is harder for the fish to see and you get a lot more bites and then you're able to put more fish in the boat i think that's kind of the biggest thing that we've been able to figure out
1: yeah and, and as the tackle and you know different techniques have evolved over the years have you seen kind of a, a direct impact on not only yourself and your ability to, you know, land these fish, but just the general population, you know, talking to other captains, talking to folks that may come to you for advice, is the success rate on landing these fish once you hook up, is it significantly better today than it was, say, 20 years ago?
2: Yeah, I definitely. I, I'd say the success rate for the guys that really know what they're doing is probably about the same, maybe a little bit better. But I think that with the advanced and tackle, I think guys that are newer to it, um, are are able to get up to speed a little more quickly than they used to. I think there's just a lot more information that's available right now. I mean, if heck, if, if you look at your your website there, uh, and you, if you're if you go through that, there's enough articles that will. I, I kind of joke. I used to give Ryan a little bit of grief about it. That you know you can get up to speed reading, reading his website pretty quickly it It'd probably save you about 10 years of out there and. Uh, you know, uh, failing on your own, but um, but I think there, there's a lot of resources out there now that let people get up to speed a little more quickly, and, and I think that's really paying off for people. I, I think that's a good thing. If you go out, you know, you invest a lot of money in a boat, you buy a bunch of tackle, you know, I think you should be able to have a reasonable shot at catching a fish.
1: So along those lines, in, in you know the resources that my fishing Cape Cod provides, you know, with the expertise of yourself and and, and Captain Colin Lundholm and and Ryan with his experiences like you said, a wealth of information available on the website or by contacting any number of you guys through the website. For people that, you know, may have just acquired a boat or may have had a boat here on Cape Cod, maybe they've got a, you know, a 22-footer and have been a little intimidated to go after tuna, but then hearing you talk today, you know, knowing that you don't have to go out that far and steam 50 to 100 miles, maybe they want to give it a try. So I guess my question is, Just along the lines of any, you know, tips that you could pass along for new tuna fishermen looking to give it a try.
2: Sure. I mean, I think as much read everything you can. Read read every article. Watch every YouTube video that that you can. You know, try, try to absorb as much info. But the biggest thing is get out with somebody that already knows what they're doing. You can save so much time by taking one trip with someone who does it a lot, you know, and can show you. I mean, any of the guys that you mentioned will... Yeah, I've done this a million times. Somebody will come out on the boat they, they want to learn. They'll come out on a trip, and I'll make them a shopping list. And you can just cut to it. We'll show you exactly everything that's happening out there, how we're doing it. won't hold back and then make you a list. You can go to, you know, Canal Bait or Goose Hummock, and go buy everything you need you know, and then go replicate what you just saw. You know, I'm sure if you, you know, if you, um, in any of the captains around here will do that for you. You know, it just, it can cut the, you know, it, there's so much information that you can read and you'll learn a ton and that's great, but there's no substitute for hands-on to actually see, you know, how many, how many feet you're actually putting that bait from the balloon or, you know, if you have a weight in there, where does it go and things like that, you know, and, um, so I, I think hands-on, hands you know, a, a couple quick hands-on trips and that will really cut down your learning curve and you can get after it really fast on your own.
1: So let's talk a little bit about your business too, Jay, Laura J Charters. Uh, the website is com. And do you offer tuna charters and kind of what are the different seasons, you know, were you guys for stripers versus tuna or is it a mixed bag? Can you talk a little bit about what you guys offer in terms of charters?
2: So, you know, normally we do a little bit of uh, haddock fishing in the, in the early spring and then black sea bass down in, in, um, uh, in Buzzards Bay uh, early in, uh, when the season first opens in May and the beginning of June. Uh, we do primarily striper charters all summer long. And then, uh, then in the fall I start doing my tuna charters. In, in the past, I, I've said September 1, uh, just because that way l- little later in the year, you know, I, I know our batting average goes up so much higher. But um, this year, we're starting to book tuna charters already because there's so many fish around. So I never want to take people for a boat ride. If I don't think there's fish around, I won't book them for a, uh, for a tuna charter. But um, we did one, uh, one last, in the last two trips, we hooked up both times. So we're, uh, they, they seem to be around and plentiful. So we're, we're getting going from now. But on a day-to-day basis, we do quite a bit of striper charters.
1: So for those interested in striper fishing or potentially bluefin fishing, with Captain Jay, the website is laurajay.com, and that'll have all the information to get in touch with you, right, Jay?
2: Yep, I've got that. We've got the Facebook page and the Instagram, all of it, uh, laurajaycharters.com.
1: And I know you're extremely active in My Fishing Cape Cod. You've been a member since 2014, so folks can hit you up in the forum as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Sh- shoot should be me a message. i I'd probably talk more than I should. Well, that, that's,
1: <laughs> that's, that's what we like to hear. You're always willing to share your knowledge with the members. I know I appreciate it. I know so many of the members, appreciate it as well. I want to thank you for all the time and the knowledge that you shared with us today, Jay, and we'll look forward to having you on the podcast in years to come.
2: Hey, great. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Well, another big thank you to our podcast guest today, Captain Jay Cianciolo of Laura J Charters. But before we wrap up today's show, I want to take a moment to check in with MFCC founder and creator, Ryan Collins, who's about to join me on the phone. Ryan, how are you?
0: I'm great, Kevin. I'm great. And uh, how are you?
1: Doing well. We just had a great chat with Captain Jay from Laura J. Charters. But before we wanted to wrap up this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles, I wanted to check in with you because we haven't heard from you in a while. And I just want to hear a little bit about what's been going on in your world and if you've been doing any fishing.
0: Yeah, as far as fishing updates go, and to kind of curl tail off of what you and Captain Jay talked about, which was tuna, I do know, and I haven't personally been out for tuna yet this year, but. I'm hoping to change that over the next 10 days. But there have been some really impressive tuna feeds. Uh, Maybe people have seen some videos circulating around Instagram and Facebook of pogies. There's been plenty of pogies around, especially off of Race Point down the backside. And it's my understanding that at times there's been some tuna ripping through them within sight of shoreline. So there's definitely some tuna showing up. It seems like they were a little slow to arrive, but I am getting reports of wreck-sized fish as well as giants off of P-Town and up by Stellwagen Bank. So that's exciting. I know, Kevin, you're probably chopping at the bits to get out for a tuna.
1: For sure. I've been doing a lot of striper fishing from shore, but I haven't done any tuna fishing this year, so that's definitely on the to-do list.
0: And your striper fishing has mostly been, I'm guessing, in Cape Cod Bay. Yep. And right now, I think the bay is really starting to settle into that summertime routine. You know, I haven't really been hearing too much about big, big action down off the flats. You know, the last few years, I know I personally did pretty well fishing the Brewster flats from my boat, bringing live mackerel in there at high tide over the, the weed beds, et cetera, But have not heard much about that going on in Cape Cod Bay this year the action I have heard about is coming out deep in the bay guys using radar to find birds that's really difficult to do if you don't have radar and I've stumbled across some of those big bass feeds in the middle of the bay before way out in deep water and it was just kind of by luck by chance but if you do have radar if you're in Cape Cod Bay keep an eye out get it on bird finder mode because you may stumble across one of those feeds out in the deep water. Aside from that, this is something I know you have plenty of experience with, Kevin, in Cape Cod Bay, is tube and worm and bunker spoons. If you're looking for a real big fish, you can troll 50, 70 feet of water anywhere between the east end of the canal and Billingsgate. And this is something that we used to do a lot growing up, put bunker spoons out, 300 feet of wire, and just troll. And all day long, you might only get one or two bites, but it's going to be a big fish. And I remember logging in an entire day of trolling just for that one bite. But they are normally big fish when you're trolling tubing worm or or bunker spoons out in the deep water in Cape Cod Bay. What else have you been up to, Kevin, besides uh, doing some... Some surf casting in Cape Cod Bay.
1: Been doing a little clamming, a little, you know, digging for some steamers, a little shell fishing as the, the fish that I've been running into, Ryan, along shore are mostly small fish.
0: Right, right. That's what I've been hearing in the forum from guys fishing, not just where, where you are in Cape Cod Bay, but also down the outer Cape, like from Nosset to Race Point. I actually fished the Wellfleet beaches on Tuesday of this week and we caught a couple fish that were 10 inches long. They couldn't have been more than a year or two old. The way that we were fishing down there this past week was at night using Joe Back and Daiwa S P Minnows, really good lures to use from the beaches right now if you're looking to just catch fish, especially at night. You know, with regards to tides, I'm not an expert with the the tides on on the Outer Cape beaches, but I get the sense that a higher tide is probably easier. You got more water at your feet that you can cast into as opposed to low tide on those outer Cape beaches when you have the big sandbars. So it is promising to see some people in the forum posting that they've caught schoolies at places like Newcombe Hollow up towards Race Point. Like I said, we found some schoolies this week fishing the Wellfleet beaches as well. So lots of schoolies. Uh, You know, that's always an option. But if you're looking to really spice things up, this time of the year, that's when the sharks start moving in to the Vineyard Sound, Nantucket Sound beaches. And that's something that you could try doing. And we have lots of information on the website, videos and articles about shark fishing from shore. I know, Kevin, that you and I have talked about shark fishing from shore in, in previous podcasts over the years. So there's lots of options here. Uh, I had a gentleman ask me about sea bass, and I know I'm just kind of blabbering here, Kevin, but I want to cover as much as I can during our, our phone call. If you're looking for sea bass, I think they're mostly out deep by now. You know, the keepers are out probably 40, 50, 60 feet of water. You can definitely go down to like places like No Man's Island off the vineyard, probably 50 feet of water in Vineyard Sound. I'm not an expert had sea bass this time of year in vineyard sound but that's where i would go
1: if i was looking for a big sea bass
0: have you been hearing much about the canal
1: i haven't i i have a good buddy uh that lives down the road from me that's a mfcc member our good buddy eddie Podgurski, who sent me a nice photo of a keeper it looked like it was right around you know 34 to 36 inches and that was this past week so i know that there definitely are some bigger fish in there but i don't have a ton of information
0: yeah the bigger fish are in there It's more like what the canal was when I was younger, which is the season people who know the holes and are willing to put the time in, as well as rookies. If you're willing to put the time in, you can find a big fish down there, but those big giant mackerel blitzes that everyone's been spoiled with have not really materialized, as far as I know, and I live pretty close to the canal, so... Usually I, I get word when a big blitz is going off, and I haven't really been getting any uh, calls about that. So it's a blessing in disguise, I think. You know, I, I think there's some big fish sneaking through the canal right now that are probably not getting the same amount of pressure on them, although there have been some good crowds, don't get me wrong. But if you go down there at night and you're willing to jig the bottom and put the time in, you, you can definitely get a big fish. Some of my best fish growing up, I remember July 4th weekend, I think I was 19 years old, down towards the west end around the Bourne Bridge, 9-inch black sluggo, 4-ounce leadhead, bouncing it on the bottom. Had one night, July 4th, I think maybe 7 or 8 fish between 20 and 40 pounds all by myself that night. So those sorts of things can definitely happen right now. So if you're not hearing about the big bass blitzes, blitzes, You know, I personally think it's kind of a blessing in disguise. If you do want to fish during the daytime at the canal, I've seen in the forum, there's been a few guys who have been chunking. And I fished with Cooper Marks. He's an 11-year-old. Actually, he just turned 12 years old this past week. I went fishing with him and his dad. And Cooper, he told me that he's been chunking the canal during the daytime using mackerel chunks. And he's been catching fish, including a few slot-sized fish. So chunking is definitely an option if you want to fish during the daytime. And, um, you know, I have a friend, Jeff Coates, who you know. He used to primarily chunk during the middle of the day. So that's something to uh, definitely consider. And one more thing before we wrap up here, Kevin. Uh, the Monomoy Rips, I've noticed quite a few people are posting in the forum that they've gotten fish up to 40 inches in the rips. We had a group trip go to the rips maybe seven or eight days ago. They did well. So there are some nice fish at the rips. And while you're out there, you could try for fluke fish, you know, 40 feet of water or more. And we have a blog post that went up this week all about targeting doormat fluke in deep water so if you're interested in in doing that while you're out at the rips fishing for stripers you could also devote some time to trying for a big fluke because they are being caught i think that's about all i got for you kevin
1: a wealth of information thank you for sharing it on the podcast hopefully catch up with you again soon this was a treat
0: yeah it would be um it would be great to keep this going i know things have been a little different this year with podcasting, but we uh, we got to keep it going, so I would love to talk with you again soon.
1: Well, thanks to MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins for stopping in and joining us on today's podcast. We also want to go back and thank our featured guest, Captain Jay Cianciolo of Laura J Charters for sharing so much of his time and expertise on today's show. Really enjoyed my chat with Jay and hope to get him on the podcast again soon. That's going to put the wraps on this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles podcast. Sponsored by the Goose Hummock Shops in Cape and Islands, Mitsubishi. Want to thank everybody for listening and hope everybody has a healthy and enjoyable and safe Independence Day weekend. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. And until we meet again, tight lines and take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles podcast. From all of us here at My Fishing Cape Cod, tight lines and take care.
1: For the latest information on how to fish the Cape, be sure to check out MyFishingCapeCod.com. Become a member today and receive your first month for just $1. Join us as a My Fishing Cape Cod member.